0: Don't look at these things as a problem. This is an enormous, fantastic opportunity for everyone. And if you speak another language, bet they better, damn, they better pay you for that. Ask for 20% more and they will give you that money. I assure you that. I was in Lincoln, Nebraska when 9-11 happened, and I saw the towers going down. And I'm, of course, I'm terrified looking at these things, and it was horrendous. But What were people talking in Wall Street? How much is gold? I'm gonna buy gold. And people made a lot of money buying gold during this crisis. They say, you know what? Because you see towers going down, but some people see gold going up.
1: This is Watch the Media. We come your way from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the College of Journalism and Mass Communications and from the studios of 90.3 FM, KRNU. I'm John Schrader. Special treat this time around, a Nebraska alum, Julian Rodriguez, who teaches television news in both Spanish and in English for students who will work in either or more likely in both languages. He joined a class early in 2021 that looked at the presentation and representation of media by and for the Latinx community. Julian Rodriguez founded the Hispanic Media Initiative at the University of Texas Arlington.
0: Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me. It's uh, without question, it's a pleasure to be here. I am a corn husker, now Huskers, I guess. I went to the College of Journalism and Mass Communication, the great COJMC. And my good advisor was Rick Calloway. And I started in um, KRNU, <clears throat> I was going to say KERA, which is the public station here. Uh, Uh, KRNU, and I had a radio show for two years called Latin Music for Your Feet, Musica Latina para Tus Pies, and I played music in Spanish, but at the same time, I had like profiles of Celia Cruz and other singers like Buena Vista Social Club and all that stuff, and I'll put it on the air, uh, both in English and Spanish, and people loved it, it was 9 to 11 p.m. on Friday nights, and sometimes we'll get some people who were partying really hard at 11 and say, please play one more hour of music. And if I didn't have anything better to do, I say, what the hell, let's do it. So normally I will stay a little bit longer and play until midnight until they were drunk enough to not call me anymore on the air. So, <laughs> so um, then I'll put the sign off. I don't know if it, that station is now running 24-7, right? We used to sign off at, at midnight or, at, you know, a show and then coming at 6 a.m. or something like that. Not right?
1: only that, uh, it, it runs 24 hours, but it also streams on two separate channels, KRNU 1 and KRNU 2. So, yeah, we're, we, we're even, uh, we, uh, there's a uh, some talk about a third stream. So, yeah, we have a lot going on. It's a great platform. I mean, you guys should be very
0: proud of KRNU. It's just so awesome. And faculty there. They're fantastic. And it always makes me happy to see them back in Las Vegas when you go to Broadcast Education Association. And then of course, I connected with um, with John and met him one on one in Merida, in Mexico, where we were uh, presenting together. He was talking about his research in soccer and all this thing. So I'm very happy to be back and giving back to, to you guys. Um, it was kind of weird because I'm a first generation. Uh, Immigrant and English is not my first language, and the first time I went or I came to the US, I went to Grand Island, Nebraska, and I lived there for about a year and a half or so, and it was through the Central Community College that I learned a little bit of English, and then I went to uh, the uh, Central Library in Grand Island, where I was able to get connected with FAFSA and Tasman, all these things, to go to college And I ended up at UNL, and I'm very glad for it because it was a great experience, a fantastic experience. And before I graduated, I ended up uh, working at KOLN KGIN just down the road, uh, 1011 News. And I worked there for about two years as a photographer and editor and then producing uh, news reports and sweeps pieces with The Anchor. Uh, Royal Dave, she is now, you know, a good friend, but she now lives in Albuquerque in, in New Mexico. Sometimes we run into each other in conferences, and it's just so neat. So uh yeah, KLN KGIN is just a wonderful place to um, to start. But even since then, my number one thing has always been uh, when I was, of course, Caroline KGIN is, is in English, of course, it was a CBS affiliate. <clears throat> and my concern was, well, who is training Spanish language media journalists in the United States specifically for television news? And I started researching a little bit and I realized that very few universities actually have programs in Spanish focusing on Spanish language television news in the United States. And little did I know that that would become my life's mission. And here I am fifth that actually 16 years later, completely immersed and involved in developing a program that focuses not exclusively, but mainly on Spanish language television news and graduating students that are fantastic. So we just celebrate our 10th anniversary. And for the last 10 years when it started, I'll tell you more about this, uh, we have had a 100% graduation rate and 100% job placement rate, and those students who have graduated from our program have been able to amass almost 100 Emmys. So it's it's freaking awesome. So it's been it's been quite a ride. Right. It's been interesting, and um, without question, just coming from Nebraska. Nebraska gave me something that it's difficult to find in other places, which is because you're in Nebraska and you're in this this place that, for lack of a better description, is in the middle of massive cornfields. You are forced to speak English and learn English and immerse yourself in all of these things that become so valuable down the road. Well, to the point that now I teach at a university at uh, the University of Texas at Arlington in Dallas, Fort Worth. The title of this presentation is Hispanic TV News Markets. So we're gonna be talking about television markets. We're gonna be talking about salaries, a research that I did. And we're gonna be talking about Hispanic student content for news deserts. So news deserts are basically places where you can't find a lot of news or not news, local news at all, and how we can serve those areas that have uh, no access to reliable information specifically for the Hispanic market, meaning for the Spanish language media. So again, my name is Julian Rodriguez. Please feel free to take note of my email address. And this is my my Twitter handle. If you wanna follow me for whatever reason, you say, yes, I wanna connect with him. And um, I've been teaching at UT Arlington for 15 years. I don't remember anymore. I'm a broadcast journalism specialist in the Department of Communication at the University of Texas at Arlington. And I am the founder of the UTA Hispanic Media Initiative. So we have a website. If you're curious, uh, go ahead and visit that website. You'll be able to find a lot of the things that I've been talking about today. You'll be able to find them in there. Okay, so I did a survey and the survey was basically looking at salaries when it comes to Spanish language media or specifically on Spanish language television news in the United States. So this is kind of the distribution. We're gonna be focusing a little bit on Texas. You'll see why. But this is mainly the distribution of those participants that we had in that survey. The survey was completely um, anonymous. So anyone could participate and share without revealing necessarily their name. I mean, I guess if I look hard into it, I can pinpoint you know, where they are, you know, who they are maybe, but no one else will be able to identify that. So we wanted to keep that fairly anonymous so that we could have more freedom. uh, We can give them more freedom to share information. So the first thing that we started asking is, you know, do you you report only in Spanish language or do you report in bilingual media? And what we found is that 52% of those who were surveyed actually report in bilingual media. And this is important because what happens is that some TV stations work in duopolies. They have an English language station and they have a Spanish language station. For example, in Dallas-Fort Worth, we have NBC5 and Telemundo. Well, NBC Universal, Telemundo is owned by Comcast, which is a cable company. So because they're owned by the same parent company, they they share the same roof the same station and their newsrooms are completely next to each other so reporters who report for Telemundo might also work and report for NBC 5 if needed so there are some markets where you actually will see a lot of reporters reporting both in English and Spanish and 48% of those who I survey actually report exclusively on Spanish language so i asked them you know Do you have a contract? Uh, Freelancers, I'm sorry, I clicked. Uh, Let me go back. Uh, Freelancers, about 8% of them have some contracts, but the most common contract that you get is a two-year contract. And that's basically, if you are on on camera person, normally is a two-year contract, maybe with an extension. Uh, There are some instances where you will actually get a five-year contract And that's usually in large markets, or if you're an anchor in a large market, like let's say in DFW, it's not rare to see a five or six year contract. Uh, If you're an anchor in LA or New York or Chicago, it's not rare to see those contracts. But if you're a reporter, normally it goes around a two year contract in mid sizes, but I've also seen reporters who actually get longer contracts in very large markets like LA and New York. So I asked, Is it? Does everyone get a contract? And I pulled a quote from the survey saying it depends on the value that the company places on you. Meaning, if you're in front of the camera, then you have an aggregated value because people identify your station with your face. So that makes it even more important because they say Julian. See, they see Julian Rodriguez. Say, oh, he is from NBC Five. So we become the brand of that TV station. But if you're a producer, you rarely, you're rarely you rarely seen as a producer, uh, or never, and hopefully never, <laughs> if you get to see a producer on the air, it's because something really bad is happening. But uh, you never get to see people like technical directors or audio operators or things like that. Uh, so that's why sometimes you don't find those. And I gave that option of staffing company, meaning sometimes you have this freelancers or people who are aggregated to the news team through a staffing company. And you know, like I said, no contract, 50% of them don't have a contract. Why? Producers might not have contracts, assignment desks might not have contracts, technical directors might not have contracts, camera operators might not have contracts. Even photographers might not have contracts. Again, it's more common whenever you have someone in front, you know, of the camera, you become the brand of that station. So <clears throat> do you have an an annual salary increase. And what we see is that the most common one, they don't know, (laughs) they don't know if they get one, Uh, but normally about 1% gets about 6.5% of increase. The most common one of actually who do know is about 3%. Now 3% is really an increase of about 1, is about 1.3%. Because inflation, since 2010, the average is about 1.7%. So they can increase your salary by 1.7% and you're actually not necessarily getting a salary increase because you're simply only covering inflation. So when you look at salary increase on an annual basis, you have to take into consideration, of course, inflation and where you live. We also look at relocation bonus. Let's say you're in Lincoln and you get hired as a reporter in, I don't know, in Austin, Texas or McAllen in Harlingen area and you need to move. And my question was, do you get a relocation bonus? they give you money so that you can move? And the most common one is $1,000 to move. I've had students who have received $3,000 to move. Now, sometimes you get five or ten thousand. Again, if you are, for example, an anchor and you're moving one person that is important, you're making a big hire, then they get a lot of perks to get those extra bonuses. But, but normally, really, it's it's very common to see below one thousand dollars. It's really something that um, it helps the person move, but it's not very common. Here's my tip: if you ever move, just ask do you have any relocation bonus? And sometimes nine out of 10 times, if you ask for it, they're gonna give you something. They're gonna say, oh, we're gonna to move to, I'm gonna ask the, the general manager of the station and then they figure out something that they can provide so that you can relocate. Uh, but the most common one, again, you know, 5,000, 1,000 and then somewhere in between here. So how large is your newsroom? The largest one, look at this. One to five, 28% of newsrooms of television, Spanish language television newsrooms are between one and five people. So it's really small. And these tiny newsrooms are the ones that actually feel the pressure because they can't produce enough content to fill a 30 minute newscast you know, twice a day or three times a day or, or maybe once a day. They just they just really have to look at different places different locations where they can actually find content. Um, some of them you know 51 plus those are actually fairly large markets. I think that anything that goes beyond 21 is actually a fairly large market uh, but you know small newsrooms are very very common. you also find in this small newsrooms that a lot of them also produce content for English so um, it's, it's quite challenging. That's why I like to focus a little bit on this, on these when we are producing with students content and we can distribute some content for them, but they're fairly small. <clears throat> okay, so let's talk a little bit about Texas. What makes Texas a little bit special? A little bit, no, very special when it comes to Hispanic TV DMA. DMA stands for Designated Market Area. So this these are the TV markets, one through 10, in Spanish or the Hispanic market. And this is the total DMA, meaning the regular English language one through 10. So something interesting, the number one in English language is New York City. And, but it kind of flips, see the second one is, is LA, but it flips in Hispanic, LA becomes the number one, and then New York becomes the number two. They kind of flip around. But other than that, really what makes uh, Texas special is that four out of the t- top 10 Hispanic markets are located in Texas and the cool thing is that you can find very small markets, mid-sized markets, and large markets. So I've had students who start working in McAllen. This is Harlingen with Slaco, Brownsville, McAllen. This is market number 10 and these are the number of TV households. So in number 10 you will find 307,000 TV households. But if you look at the number 10, which is in English, Atlanta is about 2.3 million. So you can actually expect like four times more in English language than Spanish language media. <clears throat> so it's interesting. We have, uh, you know, McAllen, we have San Antonio, we have Dallas Fort Worth, and then we have Houston. Another anomaly is that Dallas-Fort Worth is market number five, regardless of language. And I think this is something that has really helped the program grow at the University of Texas at Arlington, which is where I am I work, is because we are located in Dallas-Fort Worth. And because of that, we have a large Hispanic population. Therefore, we have a lot of Hispanic students interested in news who would like to learn more about Spanish language television news and learn it. And at the same time, we get to partner with these TV stations in English and Spanish and move flawlessly from one to the other. So it's kind of an anomaly. And uh, it's just fascinating, uh, you know, just to, to see how it, how it works. Chicago jumps from number three in English to number six. I have students working pretty much in every market that you see in here. And this is of course the state of Texas. Uh, McAllen, number 10 is located over here. Over here we have Austin, excuse me. Uh, over here we have, uh, this is gonna be San Antonio. Austin is somewhere around here. This is San Antonio. This is gonna be Houston. And then here I am in, in DFW. <clears throat> so, what's going on with salaries? When I look at these salaries, the salaries that you're seeing here are mainly salaries that, are, that, that come from my program. So those who graduate from my program in Spanish language television news, the highest one in their very first job is $50,000 a year. The lowest one is 27,500. The average overall is 38, but really a good number is about 40,000. That's gonna be the median. The median is gonna be the numbers located right in the middle of that distribution. So why such a large difference between 50,000 and 27? Really, it truly depends uh, in which market you land, what kind of experience you get once you graduate, if you're able to connect um, But the one thing that I've realized is that whenever you start in Spanish language television news, you start and move up in salary much faster than if you start in English language. And I think what happens with that is that you have more competition in English language than you do in Spanish language media. In Spanish language, you basically have Univision and Telemundo, which are the vast dominance. And then you have maybe TV Azteca and something that doesn't have a lot of ratings so there's a lot of competition there are two dominant ones Univision and Telemundo while in English you have the big four Fox, NBC, ABC and CBS and those are the ones who are basically dividing the pie you know through you know all the way through plus you have more channels in radio that are English and you have more newspapers in English than you do in Spanish so because the pie doesn't have to be divided in such small pieces then you get to very likely
1: start making a little bit more money. This is Watch the Media, I'm John Schrader. Julian Rodriguez is a Nebraska broadcast journalism graduate who teaches at the University of Texas Arlington.
0: What other things you need to take into consideration whenever you're looking at employment? The cost of living. Texas, and this is the one thing that makes it so uh, attractive is that when you look at Texas, you need to look at the low cost of living index, which is what we're going to be discussing right here. That low cost of living index is the one that basically says, how much, what's the bang for your buck? How much can you buy with $1? So for example, in Dallas, Texas, where I live, versus San Jose, if you make $45,000 in Dallas, you will need to make one hundred and eight thousand dollars in san jose california just to have the same quality of life to have the same purchasing power so sometimes i hear uh tv stations from san jose and say hey julian we need to employ an apc operator we're offering sixty thousand dollars and i say you're literally asking me to recommend you a student who will be living in poverty. That's what you're asking me to do. So you have to be very careful uh, whenever you think about moving uh, to different locations. Uh, just because the cost of living is something that needs to be to take to be. You know, you seriously need to take into consideration that cost of living whenever you're making that decision. So this might sound like a lot of money in San Jose, California, and it is a lot of money, but really you're actually the equivalent of making 45,000 in Dallas. That's how expensive um, life is in certain areas in California. And I have multiple students who actually live in California. One of those is actually in San Jose, California. He is a great kid, Eric Fernandez. He does uh, APC Operator, APC Operator's automation for, um, for a newscast, so they use Ross Drive, and he does, it, he does that for NBC and for Telemundo at the same time. He's really sharp, but, um, but yeah, the life in there is extremely expensive. So overall San Jose, California is 111% more expensive than Dallas, Texas. Another example, let's say you're making $33,000 in McAllen, Texas, then it should increase to 102,000 in San Jose, California. Notice this, overall San Jose, California is 172% more expensive than McAllen, Texas. It's nuts, it's crazy. Uh, When you look at the cost of living versus how much you can make. So $100,000 sounds very attractive, but when you look at cost of living, that you really start to kind of think differently about salaries in that way. So um, it's just one of those things that that you have to really consider. So about the salary, uh, again, some things that I already said is, uh, for example, titles and technologies vary per company. They're different. They're not all the same. And because they're not all the same, it's difficult to compare apples to apples. For example, for Univision, a, an online content producer might have one name and then you go to Telemundo and they're called you know online creators. So they have a different name for it and they might have different responsibilities. So it's difficult to compare apples to apples just because every company works and has different names for different positions. So you have a digital producer, or you have a digital web editor, or you have an online producer. There's so many variations. You have a reporter, you have a video journalist, you have a multimedia journalist, et cetera. So we have to take all of these just with a pinch of salt. You might have technical directors, but you also have automated production controls, APC operators. This one over here, the technical director, this one over here is one that punches and directs the shows manually. Automated production controls actually work in the way that you automate the production. You automate completely how the show goes on the air. And also they might have, depending on the kind of journalist, they might have more than one title and responsibility. Again, they're not apples to apples. one thing that we really need to focus on is the emergence of bilingual journalism this is something that is changing and the reason why uh, the reason why this is changing so you know is that is that whenever we have an increase of his, of the hispanic population in the united states that increase happens not because to clarify not because they're crossing the Mexican border into the United States, no. The the Hispanic community is growing in the United States because the Hispanic community, they are having children in the United States. The growth of the Hispanic population that we see in the United States comes from children born in the United States. Actually, if you look at migration rates, migration rates have been null, and actually with Mexico have been negative, meaning there's, there are more uh, people of Mexican descent or Mexicans who are going back to Mexico than Mexicans coming to the United States. That in many ways represents a shock to many people who don't know this, but it is a fact. That's why when we hear about what's happening in the agendas and in CNN and Fox News, and they're covering you know, this, this surge that we have in the border, most of them are migrants that are coming from Central America or migrants that are coming from Venezuela, countries that have some problems, political problems, and you know what's going on in Venezuela. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. So whenever you see an increase of the Hispanic population in the United States, put it in your hard drive here, it's because the Hispanic community are having children inside the United States. What does that mean? That means that children born in the United States are going to speak English. So that those who were born in the United States, they speak Spanish. And to be honest, poor Spanish. So they don't know how to write it very well. And they speak and prefer English to communicate. So they might take some news in Spanish, but they're predominantly going to be taking more news in English. Their children, they're not going to speak Spanish. They're basically going to consume news and information in English. And because of that, we're seeing this demographic change and this language change in the United States because these are children born in the United States. not like they're crossing the border. That's not really what's happening. Um, And by the way, you know, parenthesis here, big one, the surge that is being, that that migrant surge that is being described in the U.S.-Mexican border, it is a very predictable surge that happens every time that spring ends, summer begins, and there's a demand for laborers. So that's a surge that has been happening since time immemorial. See, these are migrant workers. This is, this, is, this is happening. This happened through history forever. So this is not new by any means. It just becomes part of the news agenda simply because there is a surge, and we just changed the president and the whole thing and the will and the whole discussion that's been happening around. But so you understand now, close parenthesis, we've forgotten about that, go back again to salaries and changes. I'm saying we need to focus a little bit on bilingual journalism, because what happens is that those Hispanic uh, Hispanic children are growing up and having other children and the language is gonna be lost. But at the same time, they're creating educational the educational attainment, meaning college graduation rates are going up that means they're gonna have more purchasing power. That means they're gonna be voting more. That means that they will have more socioeconomic power in many ways. Uh, And that is going to become important for English language media to understand and reach that growing demographic, that changing demographic because they are Americans like apple pie. See, So, so when we see that change, We need to think about bilingual journalism because it is happening. That is changing. This is America. So that disconnection that exists between, unfortunately, between the Hispanic community and how we perceive the issues at the border mainly are disconnections that grow the farther you are away from the U.S.-Mexican border like there's a lot of support, let's say in Michigan, and there's a lot of support in South Dakota and North Dakota and Nebraska, right for border control. But the closer you get to the border, the more you understand the problems. And you say, I don't know what these guys are talking about. They don't understand the border. The border is a, a living organism. You go there and there's a lot of exchange goods and services exchange. And it's a good thing for that's what we do. So, so it's interesting to understand this dynamic and to understand that these are basically topics and themes and agendas that are being put forward politically to obtain a political goal. Uh, but when we actually look at the Hispanic community, the Hispanic community has been here forever. I have friends who are eighth generation Texans. I say, oh yeah, my grandparents, yeah, they, they, they were part of the Texas Republic. And then before that, they were in Mexico but then it become the Republic and it, now it's Texas and now we're part of the union. And, and he speaks perfect Spanish. I'm like, dude, you are a unicorn. You are an animal that belongs in, in a museum in DC. So this is America. This is what it is. And understanding language and understanding culture and understanding how this force is changing is actually something that makes us extremely powerful. It diversifies our thinking. It really opens opportunities when you look at it from there. See, there's people who like to see problems. Don't be that guy. Look at opportunities. Every damn problem is an opportunity. Even the most tragic ones. I was in Lincoln, Nebraska when 9-11 happened and I saw the towers going down. And I'm of course, I'm terrified looking at these things and it was horrendous. But... What were people talking in Wall Street? How much is gold? I'm gonna buy gold. And people made a lot of money buying gold during this crisis. They say, you know what? Because you see towers going down but some people see gold going up, see? So when you look at these things, these are problems. Everyone has problems and every problem has an opportunity. If we just look at problems, you just wanna cover with our hand and pretend that it doesn't exist, that it's, we can fix that with a tweet run away. See, this is not the way to address problems. Problems are here because there are opportunities and every opportunity creates innovation. Everything, for 10 years I've been training uh, bilingual journalists, mainly in Spanish language. Now they're switching. I have a student, Mary Gomez. She started as a production assistant in Telemundo Dallas in Spanish. Then she went to Telemundo San Antonio as a reporter. And while she was in San Antonio, she switched to English language. She went from Telemundo San Antonio to KSAT in English. Immediately her salary went up and from there she jumped to LA. And in LA, she got a six year contract working. It was very difficult, of course, because they took her from a fairly small market into the largest one in the USA. But she was extremely valuable because she's fluent in Spanish, Fluid in English, understood the community, grew up in the community, understands that, and she understands the changes, the changing demographics. If you are, uh, let's say if you, if you, your, your English is the dominant language, but if you speak Spanish and you're able to communicate in Spanish and you have taken some multicultural courses, you deserve 20% more in that salary. And they will give it to you. Why? Because these are changing demographics. They're increasing socioeconomic power, political power, and they are part of the United States. And everyone needs to reach them. Ford Motor Company needs to reach them. General Motors Company needs to reach them. Everyone needs to reach the, the, this, this rising majority. So don't look at these things as a problem. This is an enormous, fantastic opportunity for everyone. And if you speak another language, they better, damn, they better pay you for that. Ask for twenty percent more, and they will give you that money. I assure you that. And whenever, uh, for example, NextStar or uh, whenever I have um, companies like Gray Television, or they say, "Oh, Julian, I need an English reporter, but I need that reporter to be bilingual." And say, "Are you willing to pay twenty percent more for that reporter?" Most of the time, the answer is yes. We're willing to. So let's say if they offer fifty thousand, can you pay sixty? Yes. And they pay that, why? Because it is important to be able to connect with the Hispanic community. Texas, 40% of the Hispanic, uh, 40% of the population in Texas is of Hispanic descent. How can you not connect with 40% of the Hispanic population of Texas? It just doesn't make any sense. So, So these are opportunities that are just absolutely fantastic. I think it's a matter of practicing the language if you whenever you're part of uta news in espanol we say we speak spanish and we are hoping that you will misuse one of the words or you don't know how to translate something and what it becomes is that everyone is helping each other figure out language and we press each other and i've had some students who say i speak just a little bit of spanish and i, I want to speak in english like, that's fine i want you to listen to english and eventually in a matter of one, two semesters, they're speaking in Spanish and Spanglish and going back and forth. And once they graduate, they use that and say, no, I'm, I'm bilingual. At least I can understand what you're saying. I can communicate and connect with the Hispanic community. They can get that 20% increase in salary. They can. It is, a, it is, it is an, an enormous opportunity. And you know, yes, please. One year speaking in Spanish once, twice a, a a week, and then you get to practice your Spanish and better, and then improve, and then you charge more money for that. Absolutely, and it, it enriches you, uh, absolutely. You you know, travel to Mexico, go to Europe, you'll be able to open your mind and kind of understand where all of these things are coming from. At the United States, we are so so um, we're so blessed in many ways. Just because in the U.S. Uh, we are surrounded by two oceans. We're isolated. We have two allies, one in the North, we have Canada, and in the South, we have Mexico. So we don't have necessarily enemies. We don't and try to invade the U S and it's near impossible. So geographically speaking, we are there, but at the same time, it creates some isolation. You go to Europe, people speak three, four, five languages. Like how the hell do you speak Spanish and English and, and German, a little bit of Italian is like, well, because it's like, It's it's like going from Texas to New Mexico and they speak another language, you gotta learn it. And then you learn it just because you're cross pollinating all of these languages. So it really adds that diversity to American society and the American economy and even politics. It's just fascinating when you look at the world from that point of view. So how difficult is It's not very difficult to go back and forth. It's more losing fear because in Spanish people are afraid of making mistakes when they speak in Spanish and it in when you speak Spanish people make fun of you uh, we're 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 very we're we're very punishable in that way if we make a mistake saying a word it's like ah si no se dice you know that's, that's the way you say it so so because of that some people are kind of afraid of using Spanish and i say don't don't be afraid just use it and then we help each other so it's a very kind of safe environment environment to to speak the language and learn and ultimately Once you realize people just, it just clicks. You've been listening to this at home when you have a Hispanic family. And since you haven't spoken it, you're like, I don't know, I don't speak it. But once you start hearing it and hearing it, it just just clicks and it comes back and you start using it more often. And now you're actually able to, to, you know, to move from one to the other one. It's finding the right environment, that environment where you can safely speak Spanish, even if you screw up. That's actually going to help.
1: Julian Rodriguez joined us in the spring of 2021 in our class that looked at media presentation and representation by and for the Latinx community. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. So, already told you, hey, we have the
0: Hispanic Media Initiative, and we have a show called uh, UTA News en and Espanol. It's completely produced, of course, in Spanish. And we've been doing that for 11 years already. So uh, we target, of course, the Spanish language television newscast found in 2010, and we target bilingual, bicultural population of the United States. This is really what we're looking for. We're trying to see how you manage language and just the Spanish that you speak in Miami is not the same Spanish that you speak in in Dallas is not the same Spanish that you speak in, in LA there are little expressions that are a little bit different. And that's because in Miami, you have more people from the Caribbean. So there's more Cuban influence and more South American influence. While when you look at the Southwest, we have more Mexican uh, uh, influence. So simple things like, um, for example, um, you know, mani, uh, which is peanut. Uh, Mani is used in Miami to refer to a peanut. uh, But if you are, In Dallas, we use cacahuate because cacahuate is the word in that Mexicans prefer when referring to peanut. So there are little things that change depending even in Spanish, depending on where you are in the USA and depending on the influence that that region of the United States actually has. We focus of course on research, but we focus heavily on public private partnerships. And those public-private partnerships, for example, uh, one of those is Univision. So locally what we do is we produce content that airs here in DFW. These are actually my students producing content. We also work along with the University of North Texas. So these are two universities working together to create content. Uh, This is a little sample of things that, um, that happened. This is how it looks behind the scenes. So this is my student and these are supervisors. Yo soy Paulina Fonseca. El 19 de septiembre se cumplieron dos años del sismo de la Ciudad de México. Hoy en día hay familias que siguen afectadas por el incidente y aún piden apoyo. Tuve la oportunidad de hablar con algunas de ellas
1: y que me contaran un poco en la siguiente nota.
0: Okay, if you notice, notice that he's using commands in English, but she's speaking in Spanish. So really weird environment. So he's actually using commands in English. But when you look at the anchors, the anchors are actually reading in Spanish, but the show is completely controlled by students. And that is important because if we want that content to be considered for a Lone Star Emmy or an award, which is called the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Lone Star chapter, then it needs to be completely controlled by students. So we have won two of those 2017, 2019. And this is how it looks when we actually put it on the air. Bienvenidos a nuestra última edición de Proyecto U 2018. Soy Francisco Ramos. Soy Juana Palmier y gracias por acompañarnos esta tarde. Estas elecciones han permitido que más jóvenes compartan sus principios políticos.
1: Así es, Francisco tuve la oportunidad de charlar con dos jóvenes universitarias que se identifican con diferentes partidos políticos y que siguen muy de cerca las elecciones, elecciones de medio término.
0: So that's the beginning. This is the first uh, package, meaning the first news report. But, you know, clearly when you look at them, you know they're students, they look very young. But this is live in DFW on Saturdays at 5 p.m. Live in DFW. Remember, go back to those markets. This is market number five. And this is not done anywhere else in the nation. So, okay, this is good. She actually works at Univision uh, Noticias 23 right now as an online content producer. This show has won two awards. But again, this is DFW, but the question here is what are we doing with news deserts? Do you live in a news desert? Actually, Nebraska, you can actually see here um, you know, the state And if we actually go directly in here, we see Lancaster County here. And what it means is that uh, if you have a red, that means that there are no newspapers. We're only looking at newspapers here. We're not looking at TV. But if you see that there is a red here, that means that there's not a newspaper in there. If you have something yellow, that means that maybe they have one or two maximum. And then you know, the darker it gets towards the green, that means that there are more newspapers available. So Lancaster has, you know, good access overall, but overall we lack a lot of access to news content. And this is in English, we're not even talking about Spanish. So how can we address, how can we produce content in order to be able to reach those communities who are underserved, who don't have access to reliable news information? So we partner with Telemundo And it's called Telemundo University. And we also have access to the Telemundo News Service. So these are basically my students, they have workshops. This is the vice president of Telemundo News, teaching a course directly to my students. And then they're just meeting and learning how to produce content in Spanish. But on top of that, we have access to the Telemundo News Service. The Telemundo News Service, what it does is that whenever we upload content, that content is shared with Every TV station in the United States that is either an O, and operator, or an affiliate of the Telemundo News Network. So, for example, this is, this is uh, Telemundo 47 in New York City, and this is one of the news reports that we shared with them. Dominados por los hombres. Y entonces, Juana Palmieri de Telemundo University nos presenta la historia de dos mujeres que se olvidaron del estigma y cambiaron los tacones por botas. So this story is about women entrepreneurs who start construction businesses. So these are traditionally businesses dominated by men. And we did a story, we did a story on women who own these businesses. And this story, let me actually play it back again. This story, if you look at her, give me one second. She is the one that was actually on the Univision side, but this is Telemundo. But this is my student, see? So this is, where is this airing? Again, this is airing in New York City and it's being produced in Dallas. So, what's happening here? This is Telemundo 39. This is in Dallas, Fort Worth. This recently aired.
1: La pandemia ha disminuido el número
0: de estudiantes que planean ir a la universidad. Iridanar en nos cuenta qué medidas
1: están tomando las escuelas al respecto y cómo un estudiante decidió seguir su sueño de obtener ese título universitario. La pandemia ha reducido el número de. So,
0: this is about the pandemic has reduced the number of applications related to FAFSA and TASFA who disproportionately affect uh, black and Hispanic communities. So we did a partnership with an ISD, an independent school district, in this case, Dallas ISD, Irving ISD, Fort Worth ISD, to produce news reports focusing exclusively on FAFSA and TASFA. See, TASFA is uh, for the state of Texas, and this is FAFSA, this is financial aid uh, at the federal level. So we did a bunch of stories to inform the Hispanic community that they could actually um, you know, solicit this, and there was money left. We're trying to inform, inform the communities, because there was a 16% reduction on FAFSA and, and TASFA uh, requests. And who's doing this news report? This is going to be Iridiana Barcenas. Let me show her. This is, this is the university, and this is Iridiana. This is my student. So this is airing in, in, um, in DFW. So what is the impact? The impact is that with the Telemundo News Service, we reach every television household, Hispanic television household in the United States. That's 10 million plus. And if we have a story that is relevant in Mexico, we can share it with Mexico and it airs in Mexico via the Telemundo News Service. We reach 100 plus Telemundo stations, whether they're owned and operated, or if they're affiliates, and all of this creates an amazing 100% graduation in job placement rate. So why is this important? So why is all of this important? It is important because if you look at Nebraska, for example, Nebraska has something called Telemundo Nebraska and Telemundo Nebraska is owned by flawed communications. It is It has a base in Omaha, has a base in Lincoln, and it has other stations along basically the Platte River. So the content that Nebraska puts on the air is not only for Hastings or only for Lincoln or only for Omaha. It's actually a regional newscast produced by Telemundo Nebraska owned by Flawed Communications. It's actually, his name is Mike Flawed. He's a politician and and an attorney. Whenever we share content on Telemundo news service, Telemundo Nebraska gets the news reports from my students. I've met with producers from Telemundo in Nebraska and they say, we don't have enough, enough people in the newsroom to produce content, we need content. So whenever, my, whenever we produce content and we share that content that we try to make it one evergreen, meaning it's not relevant, You know, it's not tied to time, uh, we try to make it not geographically locked, meaning we can share content that can be aired no matter where you are in the United States and still be helpful for the Hispanic community, meaning that report on, on FAFSA, for example, not the PASFA, because that's only for Texas, but there were other reports that we can repurpose to share that is relevant in Nebraska or Illinois or you know South Dakota or you name it, Montana. And in that way, these stations can grab that content and air it there, and we can inform the Hispanic community because those newsrooms don't have enough manpower to produce content. And that's how we help in many ways with student content, support those stations who are located specifically in news deserts. Sharing that content is as simple as this. If I go into, into a website, notice this. I go into a website and I open Media Beach, which is the Telemundo news service, there it is. Here's my login, here's my password. I log in and when I upload content here, notice that I can use this content if I want, but I can upload content and then I can select which TV stations or which areas get it. I can share it with Mexico, I can share with Puerto Rico, I can actually share it at the national level. Heck, I can open this and say, I only want to share it with the Midwest, meaning you guys, or I want to share it only with Texas. And I can select which station stations actually get it, or I can basically create a restriction here and say that it's only for Telemundo, Nebraska. See, and only Telemundo, Nebraska can use that content and no one else can use it. So these are things that help us address uh, this news deserts that that I've been discussing that you can find throughout half of the United States doesn't have reliable access to news information and once again it disproportionately affects Hispanic uh, and black communities see so how can we make of this problem an opportunity I just show you one my students are airing and, and distributing content at the national level. And when they graduate, they have a resume. Who's, who's going to challenge that? Who's going to do something better? Oh, by the way, Iriana Arcenas, first generation going to college, first generation immigrant, has been putting dozens of stories of national distribution airing in New York, in Houston, in Dallas, in LA, in Miami, in Nebraska, everywhere. You can't compete to a resume like that. See? You find a problem and you make an opportunity out of that damn problem. Complaining is so it's super easy. Find a problem and find an opportunity for that problem and then address something. There's something in there. Journalism is a wonderful, is a is a, is a wonderful platform to be able to create opportunities for the entire nation. And and more than anything, a nation that is who we are as Americans. This is who we are. This is what makes us strong. This is what makes us special. And this is why we need to seriously, seriously learn about who we are without approaching these things without such a blinding political views that are so, you know, so denigrating in so many ways. And when you actually learn about diversity and languages and so many wonderful things that we have, how dare us focus on the things that 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 separate us. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. There are opportunities and we need to work on those problems. By generating even more opportunities for that. And they're, believe me, we're gonna be fine. We're meeting, we're meeting online, but we're gonna be fine because that's we've been doing this forever. This is not the end of anything. This is just the the beginning of something awesome. You'll see it. My whole objective is to be able to live behind a place that doesn't need me. And whenever i focus on education and i see students grow and achieve wonderful things even when i have students who come from very challenging places and poverty and you know disadvantages overall and to watch them succeed and win emmys to me that's that's the best thing ever i feel like The greatest thing for me would be to die and know that nothing will be lost because it will be just fine. Uh, I think that if I die and things cannot survive by itself, by themselves, without me, that's a serious problem. I need to make sure that the world can continue better without me.
1: So like, as a broadcaster or like a broadcast journalist, um, what would you say is one of your top like tools or skills that you use while you're on air besides your bilingual abilities? I think
0: uh, the most important tool is writing. If you're a good writer, forget about it. You Again, you can learn how to do video editing. You can learn Premiere Pro or Final Cut. You can learn how to do automation. You can learn all these things. But if you're a good writer, you will always be employed. Always, and right now you have, we have so many opportunities to write that is just ridiculous. We text message all the time. To me is very painful to use an emoji instead of writing it. I prefer to write why I feel happy and try to describe it. So every text message is an opportunity. Every email is an opportunity. Every post is an opportunity, whether it is 280 you know, words on Twitter, or if it is you know, Facebook, I try to write with purpose. And the only reason I use an emoji is to make sure that they know that maybe I'm being sarcastic, so to give it an emotion. But I try to write every time and all the time as much as possible. And then other than writing, to know that you always need an editor. If If you open your mind and you accept that you always need an editor, whether it's video editing, writing, photography, Whatever it is, that's that's more than half the fight. More than half the fight. Be a good writer and accept help when it comes to editing. And I think that's, that's really it. There's nothing like good writing. It's awesome.
1: Couldn't agree more. Fabulous. Julian, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I know the students do as well, so. Uh, congratulations on all the great things that you're doing in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, and your 100% uh, job placement is uh, tied for the world record, so good job, boy. <laughs> thank you, thank you
0: very much, guys. Love you all, Huskers, uh, it's so great to see you. This is my very first time actually teaching at a at, at a UNL class, so I feel like full circle's coming here. So it's really nice and I'm absolutely sure I'll fly in one of these days and get to see you face to face again. But love you all, keep going, Um, be critical, think about it, learn as much as possible, you'll be just fine.
1: Thanks to Julian Rodriguez, the founder of the Hispanic Media Institute at the University of Texas Arlington. They're celebrating their 10th anniversary He's a graduate of the University of Nebraska College of Journalism and Mass Communications. He runs one of the few programs in the country that trains broadcast journalists in both English and in Spanish, and for the English and Spanish market. He was with us in the spring of 2021 in a class that looked at the media presentation and representation in the Latinx community. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm John Schrader and this is Watch the Media.